Have you or anyone you know ever been emotionally destroyed by a book? Have you ever got the feels for a fictional character? Have you ever been hung over by an all-night book binge? Then pull up a seat, pour yourself a glass, and hang on to your Kindle. This is Drinking Ink. Hey friends, Brittany here. Before we jump into the episode, I just wanted to drop in with a note on our content. While books are for everyone, this podcast was created for adult audiences only. We advise listener and reader discretion as we will likely delve into difficult and sometimes triggering content often seen in literature such as graphic depictions of violence, frank portrayals of sexuality, discussion of mental illness, and existential struggle. And on occasion, some downright filthy language. It might be a lot to take in, so if you need a breather, take a break, or come back later. We'll be here for you. Hello there. Hello. How are you doing, Mia? I'm doing all right. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm excited because I know you're really excited for this episode. I am you, very excited. You wanted to talk about this episode for a while. Yes. This was my suggestion for an episode. I remember that. So what are we talking so, about today then, Mia? Today we are talking about strong female characters, not to be confused with morally gray characters. There's a difference, and we'll, there I is. guess, get into that today. However, I just want to remind you, Becca and I have set strict rules for you in this episode. <laughs> you have! <laughs> Do you remember the rules, Mia? Yes, I get a limited time talking about Nesta. <laughs> <laughs> you can talk about Nesta, we just can't spend yeah. the whole episode talking about Nesta. Even though we could, even no, we though we absolutely could. We could. 100%. Yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> right. you can't loophole it we'll give you we'll give you your nesta segment <laughs> and you can't you can't talk about someone else and be like and like nesta <laughs> fine <laughs> okay okay how's becca our what? quiet our quiet azra how's becca i'm doing good Sitting over there in your corner, just being quiet. I love the panic on her face when you asked that question. I was like, oh. I was like what am I answering? I'm like, I'm just asking how you been. Like, uh. oh. Okay, so where do we want to start? Where do we want to start this episode? Do we want to start with Nesta? Or do we want to, where, where do we want to start? We saved Nesta for later. I gotta build her up, get my brain going. All right. So, where do you think we should start? Um. Okay. So, what do you guys have a character in mind that, like, your first ever character that that kind of introduced you to strong female characters? Is there like someone that comes to mind, like when you first started reading, and you were really looking for that really, you know, like strong independent woman type character is there something someone that kind of comes to mind when you think about that that's a good question because there is a character that comes to mind but as an adult now i realize that she wasn't necessarily a strong female character and mm -hmm. it was disappointing and that is kaylin from the sort of true series written by terry goodkind mm -hmm. in the series she's so she's this beautiful strong kind of like she embodies like i don't want to say she's a mary sue because that's not exactly what she is but mm -hmm. she also comes with the problem of the magic vagina which for our <laughs> listeners <laughs> don't know what that problem is in literature the magic vagina is a term often associated with characters who have magical powers that are associated with their femininity and mm -hmm. their sexuality can either cure and or is a curse to the main male love interest <laughs> and kaylin Mnell from the wizard's first rule series sort of truth series definitely suffers from this particular trope because her power is she can actually make men fall in love with her just by touching them oh wow that's an interesting and, like, power to turn have. them into her <laughs> slaves which on one hand seems like a really cool power but also she doesn't really serve 
the plot more than to provide the main character with a love interest that he needs to protect and save which i yeah, feel that sounds like kind of sucks dangerous which sucks because when i was like 11 12 reading these books i should not have probably been reading these books at 11 and 12 but when i was reading these books i thought she was such a cool character and she was so badass and as an mm-hmm. adult i'm like well actually she's kind of problematic which yeah. is a bit sad yeah no i i get that it's like you want you want the character to be this epitome of of like badassery and then you realize just by looking at them like as when you're a little bit older you're like oh wow this this character was not at all what i had imagined them to be at that age so no no, i get that it's it's definitely kind of like a, a letdown what about you I would say the first character for me, like this was like the first book I ever read that was like really like book, like a, a book, Pride and Prejudice, which is like my Tom favorite. Lizzie Bennet, like I, I loved the fact that she wasn't just going to like give it all up for a man. She wasn't just going to fall at Darcy's feet, you know? I mean, again, like there's some problematic behavior that like they both have in that book, but just the fact that she's like, I'm not going to just fall at your feet like and like adore you like this, you know, like every other woman is going to, you know, she had other kind of like she aspired to do more than just be someone's wife, Um, which when I'm first reading that, it was kind of like, like, oh, but like, but Darcy, but at the same time, like, but yes, like you go, girl. Um, I don't know, like she just was very she wasn't the typical female heroine or like character in a book that you'd read she was she had autonomy she was independent as a woman yeah i think that's important i think when you're looking at strong female characters have you been able to think of one becca if we're going like way back in time the one that comes to mind for me is dane from tamora pierce's immortal no immortal immortals quartet uh, oh, which a little is like, Freudian slip there of your own work. <laughs> I've been saying immortal way more than immortals in the recent history, but it's a YA, and she's like maybe fourteen at the beginning of the series. And actually, as I'm sitting here thinking about it, this was probably my first experience. No, this was my first experience with a true age gap romance. That, like, in retrospect, now that we're talking about it. Is creepy. Back in the day, I really liked it. I thought it was cute when I read it in like sixth grade, um, but she falls in love with her teacher who's like 26 or older. What? what? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> but like, okay, no bueno. so no the bueno. quartet, it's a high fantasy and it starts out, she's like 14 and she ages up and they don't fall in love until like book three. But now that I'm thinking about it, I'm like, hmm, they let you get away with that, didn't they? Uh, but yeah, but she is also one of those characters that's like, you know, I don't I don't give in to the patriarchal system. I'm going to do what I want and you're going to you're going to like it or you're not. It's not my problem. Yeah. Oh, I, I feel it. like I feel like that seems to be the rubric that most quote-unquote strong female characters are built on. Um, but I'm curious, what do you guys think makes a strong female character? Like qualities? Well, when you think about it, can you be a strong female character and not do the fuck the patriarchy vibe? <laughs> I mean, I feel like at least some of the characters I've come across aren't always like super like, oh, I like the patriarchy sucks, blah, blah, blah. Like, yes, that can be one subgenre of a strong female character. But I feel like uh, like there can be you can be a more like subdued. Like, I love when you get like that kind of like golden retriever energy from the female main character because often you get it from the the male main characters and it's just like i want a like golden retriever chaotic energy coming from our female main character but still being like a strong independent woman because like you know like she's still got that sunshine but she's not like completely like bitter towards everything that society stands for i don't know i feel like there's multiple ways you can be a strong female character yeah i think i mean canonically when you look at fiction there's this idea that a strong female character has to be like anti-system anti-girly things anti 
um, relationships. And I don't know that that's necessarily what defines a strong female character. I mean, for me, I'm finding the more that I read, I care more about her choices and her relationships and the reasons why she makes these choices and what are her motivations and why does she do the things that she does? And I think yeah. that it, it I care more about those things. Yeah. Like, and not everyone is going to be a badass general trying to tear down a, an exactly. ancient regime, you know? Right? Yeah. You and, might be and four feet tall and collect shiny things. Right. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And, or it's like, I remember reading, I was reading something um, the other day about because I was you know wanted to kind of get other people's opinions and see what other people said out there and and there was this point that someone mentioned and it was saying how sometimes having the female character in this like badass like tough chick like masculine almost representation you're almost like you're almost just feeding into the misogyny aspect of of characters because you're giving them all masculine traits in a woman's body like you're not necessarily feminine you're not showing that femininity it can still be strong you're just showing like this is a female but she's going to have masculine characteristics and ultimately that what that's what entails to be strong is you have to be masculine and you can't be feminine and strong which i mean is i don't think is true i think you can be feminine and strong um but sometimes i think leaning into that those um stereotypical ideas almost just like defeats the purpose of a strong female character not to say that you can't have masculine tendencies or traits but you can also be feminine and still be a strong character uh i think we can all agree on that and i think there's one character in particular that comes to mind when we think of this and her name is aelin ash river galathinius i mean she is a badass and she also acts some sort of masculine in the in her swagger and the way that she does things but she also is like i'm gonna spend the money on that pretty fucking dress and i like chocolates and (laughs) i like to be pampered and so there i mean it's a little obvious in that it's very the contrast is very obvious there but i think that's a good representation of that kind of idea that you're talking about mia Mm -hmm. yeah no i would would say yeah like i completely agree with aelin especially like uh, the gold the gold uh dress nightgown thing she's got and i'm just like i'm like yes (laughs) When she started, when when Sarah J. Mass started showing those more like feminine aspects of Aelin, I wanted to just like fist pump. Like, I was just like, yes, the girly girl. Because again, like myself personally, is I've always kind of struggled between like, am I like super girly or am I like more of like a tomboy? And I can never really find like the. I was I kind of almost like fell in the middle of those two. So to see another character being like feminine and masculine traits, it's like yes. Ooh it's just refreshing yeah absolutely and one thing that i think is really interesting as a from a conversational standpoint like i don't even know what i'm saying we're gonna cut that um what i think is really funny in that series in particular is like when rowan's washing his hair with all of her shit she's like please don't use that one it's really expensive (laughs) right (laughs) it's like typical this is like feminine energy right here i love it It it's like don't use my hair my shampoo do you understand that that costs 30 dollars a fucking bottle like like, right like you i know you want to smell pretty but like pretty costs money so like go get your own (laughs) yeah but Um, guys they can dip their head in a freaking mountain spring and come out with like perfect hair no split ends no dryness they don't get the concept of you need expensive shampoo to have nice hair. Or they can just use head and shoulders and be perfectly fine like my husband. My husband uses head and right? shoulders. <laughs> no, my husband, look, we needed shampoo and he was in charge of going to buy it. You know what he came back with? A bottle of men's dove. <laughs> that feels accurate. I'm like, I have to use this too. And he's like, but it's soap. Okay. Okay. And it's right? and it's it's the two in one, right? It's the two in one. It's shampoo and conditioner. It's not shampoo. Is it? I didn't bottle. look that hard. I don't know. I, I mean, I'm assuming because that's what we usually end up buying for him is the Head and Shoulders two in one that uh, smells that. medicated, 
and i mean the man has beautiful curly hair so his hair always looks gorgeous and then mine looks like a rat's nest and i'm using like dollars shampoo so yeah i'm the one doing something wrong here it's like like us girls often have like longer hair and we have to like use it more so that it's like and then they use some and you're just like i could have used that towards my like oh that's why i'm glad i don't have to share anything with anyone right now okay so what do you think about stereotypical female like things that are considered like stereotypical strong female stuff like she's an excellent fighter and she's feisty and 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 Mm -hmm. and and things that kind of tend to i i don't want to say are entirely mary sue but tend to overlap heavily with the concept of mary sueism and do you guys think that it's hard to kind of walk that line between having a genuinely strong female character versus having a female character that kind of falls into tropey and unrealized characteristics i want them to be imperfect in some way like to have like odd qualities i can't stand when you have like this female like even with aelin like oh she was just great except yeah she trained for years to be that way but like when they're instantly good at stuff when they've never done it, I'm like, I need a little more realism there. Like, I want you to be scared of spiders. Like, I want you to be like a badass assassin, and then you see a spider and flip the fuck out. Yeah. Or <laughs> right? something like, like that. And, and going off of your point, like, it brings me back to anytime you see an Akatar where Cassian's training any of the females, he's like, um, telling them how they have to unlearn, like, so many years of bad posture or you know like the bad like wrong stance um and it's just like oh my goodness finally we have some accurate representation of what it actually means to train for something and not just um you know you come and learn it do it for a couple days and like automatically you're just like amazing at it within a week it's like no that's not realistic like it takes time um for anyone to to physically do that i mean Yes, I understand that, like, often in fantasy when they're training, they're, like, usually some other being, like, fae or whatnot, but, like, that's besides the point. But, yeah, like, I I think I think there's a fine line between, um, like, I would like them to be able to be realistic, but not entirely, like, one side of the spectrum of just, like, completely masculine traits entirely and, like, feisty. Like, there's nothing wrong with having those traits, but I think it needs to be balanced with... And, like, they need to be a real character and not just, like, a pretty shiny object that's there for your amusement. And is perfect in every way, a.k.a. Right? Poppy. <laughs> right? <laughs> right? <laughs> exactly. Sorry. Poppy, I, Poppy's perfect? Well, yeah, I, I just mean... Attention. She's very... I don't want to say she, Poppy's not perfect. And for those who don't know who we're talking about, we're talking about Poppy Castile Denier. What is her name? I don't even Poppy know now. Denier. Poppy Denier, the maiden... Her, the what, from Blood and Ash. Persephone. That's, all we need to say. That's her official name. Persephone. Persephone. No, Penelope. It's Penelope. No, Penelope. It's Penelope. No, it's Penelope. No, yes, it is. It's Penelope. It's definitely Penelope. If my name was that. Penelope, I'd go by Poppy as well. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I don't blame her. But, so here's an example of where you know when you look, when you hold up Poppy and you hold up Aelin, for example, side by side, you know, Poppy is, oh, I don't know what's going on, and I'm so uh, sheltered, and then all of a sudden it's like I'm out of the world, and I'm really good with a knife, stab, 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 and I'm really good at my magic, and I've never had it before, and then kaboom, I'm really good at doing all these things. It just I think that's, I mean, if you can suspend your disbelief, cool. But I just think yeah. it takes away from some of the strength that that character has to stand on their own. Like, I don't think that if you were to put Poppy in another setting, that character, if that character existed, she wouldn't, she, she wouldn't, flourish. She wouldn't be able to function. No, Whereas she'd be like... To, I don't even mean from that perspective. I just mean in the way that she's built as a character. Mm-hmm. I don't think that she would be able to to function if you were to drop her in, say, Throne of Glass. Whereas if you were to take Aelin and drop her in the world of From Blood and Ash, I think Aelin would be able to figure it out. Because they're, Aelin is a more well-rounded and better developed character than Poppy is. Oh, for sure. Completely agree with that. Like, yeah, like Aelin... I distinctly remember going back, like, and this was a long time ago, I read Air Fire, but I distinctly remember in Air and Fire when she started learning 
about her magic. Um, sorry, spoiler alert if you haven't read Throne of Glass. Um, when she started learning about her magic and the fact that it wasn't like a, like, it wasn't a boom. Like, she's got control of it. The first, like, within the first few times of using it, didn't she, like, burn a city down or something when Rowan was trying to teach her? I don't know if she burned the whole city down, but I do know she that, like, burned... that entire book is her learning how to use her, man- yeah, her magic. Yeah, like, the entirety of the book. And it's a thick book. It's it's once the book started getting thicker in that series. Um, but just the fact that, yeah, like, she burnt, like, a section in a city down or, like, almost completely, like, demolished a city when she was learning because she didn't understand that, like, it takes control of your emotions, but also, like, focus. Like, there's so many aspects that go into it, and it's not something that you can learn overnight, which I loved the realistic representation of that. You know, it took her time to get to a place where she could properly deal with her magic and use it and, you know, like, to help people and not just... She had to actually go through a struggle to get yeah. from point A to point B, which I feel like is missed often. Um, one thing that I love and I feel like for me makes a main character or a strong female character really complete is an emotional complexity and depth. And surprisingly enough, um, I just finished reading Bethia by Ruby Dixon, which is like book five in the Corsair Brothers series. It's like the most recent one. I think it just dropped two days ago and I didn't know. And I was so excited. I like rushed to my Kindle. <laughs> And what I think is so interesting is you meet Bethia in like book one or book two of the Corsair series of the brother series. And you just get this impression that she's annoying and irritating. And, you know, like they are like, okay, she's good. You know, she's good hearted, but I wouldn't trust her as far as I would throw her. And there's this perspective of her. Cause you're seeing her through the eyes of the main character of the novel that like, Hmm. And then you get into her book and I was really shocked because her book is all about, it's a thruple, by the way, if you're interested, loved it very much. It was very sweet, but her whole issue with being in this thruple that she finds herself in is like, well, people either think I'm too much or they think I'm not enough. And so I'm going to push people away before they can get too close. And it's this constant battle that she's playing with herself throughout the course of the book. She'll say something and then she'll be like, fuck, I am doing that thing again. So hang on, I need to like reset and go back. And I really enjoyed that because it made her feel so much more real and less like a side character that just got happened to get their own story. Does that make sense? Like, yeah, completely. Yeah. She feels yeah. so much more realized because there were moments there were specific, I don't even have my Kindle with me, but there were specific quotes that were um, specifically like, uh, I, I will come back and I will find them. Let me go and find them. And um, going back to like the magic, I like just remember um, a character. I don't know if you guys have read um, like Becca, I know you've read this, not the witch you read by April Asher. There's the character Violet she is essentially like she's the 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 oldest in a set of triplets and she's like in a magical family and she technically is supposed to be the prima donna witch which is like like the high head witch of within the community but she doesn't have powers like she's magicless and so um she essentially like through the book she discovers her powers unexpectedly and she's now kind of like trying to learn she's 32 at the time she's trying to learn 32 years worth of magic to and like training to be this like prima then she's just like what it what it, I, like she even goes to name her magic sparky because of how like just like intense it can be and like how erratic it can get which i personally loved because like you she's like human like personifying her magic it's great um but just the fact that she's real and like even becca was saying how like she's very like she was giving off like mia energy which i found uh, i found that funny um but just the fact that she goes through these trials and, and has to learn how to deal with all of this coming at her at once. And, you know, like feeling like she's like the dud of the family. And then all of a sudden it's like, she's got these powers that are starting to manifest and she's trying to learn how to, how to use them. And she has no idea what she's doing, you know, but just the fact that she has people come alongside her who help her, like her sister Rose, especially 
but it's just like to see that growth was it was beautiful i loved it i found the quote so in this scene she's talking to jim f who is one part one third of this and he says you never let anyone take care of you do you and Mathia tilts her head and says, I suppose the question one must ask is why would anyone want to? And that is like the core representation of who Mathia is as a character is I, I take care of myself because deep. no one's going to take care of me. It's deep. So I don't know. I really, I really loved her as a, and I felt like she was, you don't expect. And this is not the thing right? I keep telling people stop shitting on monster romance. Like if you haven't read it, don't shit on it if you haven't read alien romance don't shit on it because you are i don't want to say you're missing out because if it's not your thing it's not your thing but there are some extremely interesting and complex characters that are i don't know that just come out of these beautiful stories right so much no i i definitely agree with you on that yeah it's just so i i have a question for you guys um Okay, uh, so when thinking about strong female characters, I've noticed they're often still portrayed to be kind of needing a savior in their male counterparts. Um, do you think some of what we talked about, like, have been able to break, like, some of the characters we've mentioned today, do you think they've been able to break away from those, that way of thinking? Like, I know we've only mentioned a few, but, or like, like some of the examples that you guys have written have, have come up with, do you think any of them have been able to break away from that stereotype of needing a man to save them? Hmm. You know what? I think, yeah, I think Lucy Houston in Dancing on Broken Glass by K.A. Hancock or Ka Hancock. I'm not entirely sure how you pronounce her name. I'm sure I've talked about this on this uh, podcast before, but this story is about a woman who develops breast cancer um finds out that she's pregnant and her partner happens to be bipolar and it's about their journey as a family in a relationship and her choosing to forego chemo treatment in order to have this baby because that's all they wanted is to have this baby i'm gonna let you assume how the book ends it's horribly heartbreaking But what I found really interesting is that she didn't, is that her strength didn't come from Mickey, her partner, in that she didn't draw her strength from her partner. Her partner was a part of her life and they were a partnership when Mickey was healthy enough to be a member of the partnership. But a lot of her strength came from her inner values and her core beliefs and things that were really important to her. And I feel like that matters a lot. And it has nothing to do with the man. I love that. Um, Yeah, like it it just, it's amazing when you can see a character who can have a relationship, but doesn't necessarily like completely rely on that character, like that other, that partner to be like the reason that they're strong. Like they can be finding their own inner like strength. Like even some of the characters that I had written down, um, like um hannah hannah really sticks out to me um hannah from hook line and thinker um like she's she's so used to doing everything like herself and not relying on people and like not feeling like she's good enough for other people but um she doesn't rely on fox for that like she doesn't rely on him she kind of like does like a soul searching herself to kind of realize that her as a whole is good enough like she doesn't need to be helping everybody else and neglecting herself just because she doesn't feel like she's the best like she, but she doesn't need him to do that for her but she still is able to have a partnership with him like it's it, yeah becca do you have any any uh uh well if you look at it in perspective of like not having to have um like a male that's in there that's like kind of your saving grace of a way or usually when you think of strong female characters you're thinking of like the Brienne of Tarth figure because like if you if you come up straight to me and you're like oh I need like a strong female my first response is gonna be like so you need a Brienne yes Um, right but you don't have to be like a Brienne of Tarth to show that you can be like a strong female character 
Like going even going back to Ruby Dixon, like you need an email to validate you. You have um is it Barbarian Alien? Is that Liz's story? So Yeah, book two. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Ray Hosh comes in and he's like, Oh, you're a female, you're small. I must protect you. And Liz is like, I think the fuck not, boy. Um, and it's just this entire book <laughs> no of her, Yeah, it's just this entire book of her being like, Hey, you know, I'm I'm female, but I can still do this shit just as well as you can. Um, even later on, and I forget the title of the book because there's twenty thousand of them. Uh, Kate, I believe it is, who's the tall girl of the group. Kate and Herak. Yeah. So you have Kate who feels like she has to be the Brienne because other people are going to expect that of her because she's tall. And she's like, you know, maybe I want to be the pretty dancer too. And she ends up with the boy who faints for his own blood. And is the sweetest ever. (laughs) He is the absolute sweetest. Another story that comes to mind when you're thinking of like, I forget her name because it's been a minute since I read it, but it's the princess because it's kind of like a fairy tale-ish retelling. Uh, But Damsel by E.A. Arnold, where you have this princess who's pretty much woken up and is being told how it is she's going to be by this prince. He's like, well, you're going to wear these things and you're going to do these things and you're going to present this image to make me look better. And whereas most princesses of the past just kind of go along with it because they're like, well, this is my existence. This one in this particular story just kind of is like, "Mm, no, I don't want to. And it like completely throws him for a loop because he's like, no, I I said you had to. She's like, no, no, I really don't want to. (laughs) (laughs) And the ending of that book is the best thing ever. I wish more people would read it. Uh... Like... It's it's monster corn, <laughs> subversively, <laughs> for the way that. Okay, I'm gonna spoil it because I have to. The way the princess came into existence is the prince stuck his dick in a dragon and it turned into a girl. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> I wish more people would read this. <laughs> my goodness. Okay, well, I'm just gonna go and add this to my TBR right now. Right? It's what it's called, damsel. It's called Damsel, and it's actually one of the stories that started sparking the idea for me for Immortelle, of, like, that Mm. concept of, like, what if the Prince Charming of all these stories we've been told, this Prince Charming that, like, we as women are want, Mm -hmm. we're supposed to want in life, right? You're supposed to want to find your prince. Well, what if the prince is an asshole? Are we supposed to still want him? Which Mm. society says we do. Of course it does. (laughs) Yeah. Although, what I do love about some of these, like, characters is that like especially with the idea of help is that they're still able to ask for help they're still able to like say like hi like i need your help sometimes i can't do everything for myself all the time like i can't always be like because you don't want to feel needy i mean in general you don't want to feel needy but at the same time you know that you need help and i think some of these characters have really learned like really learned that at the end of their stories of like i can ask for help like i can still ask for help and not be a needy person quote unquote like and and I love that about um, some of these characters mentioned, like, going, okay, I'm going to talk a little bit about Nesta now. Um, but, like, I think the reason I so, like, connected with her so well is the fact that, you know, she doesn't want to be abandoned by people, but she's fearful of being abandoned, so she pushes everyone away from her. Because she doesn't want to feel like someone who's, like, consistently asking for help all the time. Because, like, she doesn't feel like she has anything to offer people in return. So if she can't give anything to them, like, she doesn't feel right asking for that help. So she pushes people away. And and in order to keep them away, she has this, like, surly, you know, like, mean attitude towards people. Because she truly hates herself, for the most part. Or, like, she's she can't really like figure out who she is as a person. And so she pushes people away for fear of people looking at her. Like she's this weak, weak person for lack of a better term. Um, And just the fact that through her story, she doesn't necessarily have to rely on a man or her sister or whatnot. Like she finds her own way. And just the fact that she's able to kind of like come to the point where it's like, I'm okay with being the way I am. I'm okay 
with the fact that I'm not Farah, I'm not Elaine, um, that like my father and I didn't have the best relationship, you know, like she's able to kind of come out of it and see that it's okay to be broken in that sense, you know? Yeah, I'll agree. I think what I loved about Nesta when I read Silver Flames well, when I read Akatar, because I didn't like her at first. I didn't like her at all at first. And I was trying to see from her perspective the whole time. I'm like, why is she acting like such a bitch? Like, mm -hmm. what reasons would she have? And I had a hard time seeing that until we got her point of view in Silver Flames. And I think that it's really important that when we look at her motivations and what drives her as a person right mm -hmm. like that was so key to her whole journey yeah and i loved how she really spent she fought her own self really yeah it, it was, was a, such it was an a battle, battle amongst herself and really i'm not gonna lie i love that she used cassian like right she she didn't she didn't she, want she to admit to herself the tables she didn't want to admit to herself that she had a thing for him, mm -hmm. but she's also like, you know what? Fuck it. I want to mm -hmm. have sex. So we're going to have sex uh, because it. you're attractive and you're into me. So, <laughs> right. You know, let's just do this thing. And I feel like that, um, taking some of her agency that way, I thought was really mm -hmm. great. I loved the, because someone mentioned this on a, a group on Facebook, uh, like an unpopular opinions group. And I'm just like, and they said to them, it almost seemed like Nesta had something called BPD, borderline personality disorder. And immediately, because I am someone who struggles with that on a daily basis, immediately, like, because I know all the signs and everything, I'm like, oh my goodness, it finally makes so much sense why I've, like, I've liked Nesta from the beginning. I don't know why. I don't know why I didn't hate her like most people did when they first saw her in Akatar, but for some reason, the first moment that I met her, I'm just like, you and I are going to get along. We're, we're going to get along, girl. Like, I don't know why I like you. I like, yes, you're being a bit of a bitch. Like, a, yeah. But I I don't know. I just like, I like her. And I think with Silver Flames, seeing everything that she went through, I'm just like, oh, my freaking goodness. Why are you and I the same person almost? Like, just everything she did was very reminiscent of BPD, which it's... Like, I don't condone what she did, but I understand and I have, like, the sense of empathy for her because I know what it feels like to experience those, like, immense, like, heart-crushing emotions that feel like you're just being overwhelmed all the time and feeling like everyone's going to abandon you. And so you just avoid attachments because you feel like it's safer for you to be by yourself than to try and, you know, create friendships or relationships. And so, yeah, it's just... It really, it made a lot of sense to me and it kind of made things clearer to me as to why I love this character so much. And see, I think that that's really interesting because I think if we project our personal feelings and thoughts onto characters, we're going to find similarities in how they behave and how we act because that's how we see them. As the oldest daughter, Nesta is the oldest daughter. As a daughter who feels like at times I was parentified and had to be more responsible than I should have been at 12 and 13 years old. And that I took on that responsibility, quote unquote, willingly because it, it felt like I had to. Seeing those parallels in Nesta and her relationship with her mother and her backstory were what really connected to me. And I was like, Oh yeah. Oldest child syndrome. Like that's exactly what the problem is. But it's interesting to hear your perspective on the BPD yeah. thing. I've seen even some, seen some people say that Nesta is potentially autistic. And while we can't, I just think we gotta be, we gotta be careful um, in the diagnosing of fictional characters because I mean, that's a whole can of worms that, we might not be able to was someone who was i think they were like a psychiatrist of sorts so like they deal with this kind of thing on a daily basis i think so i mean i could see the parallels and i completely agreed but i mean i'm not gonna like sit, like everyone doesn't always have to agree with that it just seeing those things in her i was like yes like i can understand how she would fit that criteria not to say that like 
you have to diagnose her as such, but just it was it was something I was able to connect with. And I think being able to find that in a character, things that you can kind of like can bridge a gap between you and this character, it makes it you almost feel more seen. And it's like, oh, like if she can deal with her issues, maybe whatever's going on in my life is like not the end of the world or it's not going to like it's not going to bring me down. Like it's not going to defeat me. Yeah. Well, we all got to remember literature is subjective, right? Like exactly what we read, how we interpret it is completely up to the individual. It really is. I have a question. Go for it. About differentiating strong female lead and morally gray, because I feel like often they're the same person. They can be the same person, but they're not always the same person. And I wanted Mm -hmm. to get your guys' opinions on that. What do you think, Becca? I think it would be different because you can be morally gray, but you cannot, you don't have to be the strong female to be morally gray. I think it would be a different characterization. Like you can have them both in the same like person, but I think you don't need one without, like you don't have to have one to have the other. Go on. Elaborate. Examples. Cite your sources. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Um, okay, so, again, character's name, I forgot, but the lead female in The Shadows Between Us, she's morally gray, kind of, in her motives of what it is she's going to do, but she's not necessarily, I would think, strong female lead. Like, in the end, she kind of falls in love with the guy and kind of gives up her ultimate goals and things like that, which I think if you're a strong female lead, you're you're not going to give up your goals or your ultimate like end game just because a dude showed up but also too she was one of these she loved the pretty dresses and she loved the courtly life and the very like feminized woman aspect of it but she was still at the same time morally gray because at the end of the day she was just out to stab all the dudes in the kingdom to get what she wanted (laughs) okay that's fair i i I can see that i think that that's an astute observation. What about you, Mia? Um, I think that you can have... I think Morley Gray and strong female characters are two separate ideas, but I think that you can... Like, I think that Morley Gray doesn't necessarily mean that it's, like, an entire character arc. Like, a character doesn't entirely need to be Morley Gray. Um, it can... They can make Morley Gray choices, you know, depending on the situation. Um, like, the fact that um like nesta didn't help her sisters just um like did very little to to help when they they were in poverty or the fact that when elaine or like when elaine was being picked on by a society woman and nesta purposely caught the eye of this prince and or like this guy was like this duke or whatever he was just to spite the woman who was picking on Elaine because like to some people that might be morally gray in the sense that oh like you're you're being like you're you're purposely leading him on knowing it's not going to go anywhere but you're doing it because you're trying to like avenge your sister um whereas like Nessa's also the strong female character because she doesn't rely on anybody else to fix her problems but she is aware enough that when she does stupid things and she hurts people, she's like, knows those aren't right. Like she knows that it's not right to do those things. And like, she apologizes, like she makes those amends and she basically like lives her life in order to like strive to be a better person, especially we see at the end of like, like she, I'm sorry, spoiler alert, if you've not read Silver Flames, but she, you know, like bargains with the mother to save her sister and Nick's like I have issues with that. I mean, I was yes, I have issues with that too, but that's just the first example that popped in my mind, the fact that she's willing to do something for someone else in the sense that like and she's like she's not she's not a morally great character entirely. Um she just kind of she's like a wolf. Like they describe her as a wolf. She's a wolf. She 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 was caged for too long and now her like quote-unquote true nature is coming out because she was caged for most of her life um but like just that idea that you can make morally great decisions in 
your life and not be a morally great character. I think a morally great character is more so someone who continually makes those decisions and has no regard for other people, but isn't actively trying to hurt people in the process. Like they're not quite a villain, but they're not like, oh, like I'm going to make, like I'm going to fight for the little guy. Like, no, they just, they're, they're more for their own, they're, they think more about themselves than anyone else. Becca, you you wanted to contest something that Mia said in there. I'll let you go first, and then I'll contest what I want to contest. I semi-forgot. Um, but I wouldn't say Nest is morally great. One, giving up her powers to save Farrah and Nyx. Okay. She didn't like the powers anyway, so what has she really given up? I mean... There's one. And then... As, like I myself was raised by someone who was very white glove old traditional society kind of which is the way Nesta was raised and when you think of the age situations she experienced a little more of that life than her other sisters did so some of those more traditional highbrow women's standards would have been instilled in her especially by her mother so even from the beginning when like straight off the bat people are like why is Nesta such a bitch I'm like she's not a bitch she was raised she was raised very posh and that's simply how those type of women you know that's what they do they don't show a lot of outward emotion they have to kind of keep the stiff lip and mm-hmm. all that jazz that's what i saw in nesta yeah i also I- think that there was a grand opportunity missed when nesta was messing with cassian's brain as a fun pastime in the beginning by her not going to flirt with Azrael just to get under his skin that would have been an epic scene because Cassian would have been so mad, but at the same time, Azrael would have been like, why are you here? What, what's going on? No, see, and, and I think that Marley Gray also is, is subjective to a person too, because what one person might see as Marley Gray, like, 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 and might not be what another person sees as Marley Gray. Like, yeah, I, like I would agree with what you're saying about Nesta is that she was not raised to take care of her sister she was raised to basically you know be like this hoity-toity what some people would say hoity-toity like person or you know very private to herself so yeah i wouldn't say that she's morally gray i would say that she's a strong female character um but like morally gray yeah it's subjective to to who you're talking about who like what that person might say and what they think personally for sure for sure. And this is what I'm going to contest because, and this is going to be the last we're going to talk about Nesta because we'll have talked about it for almost 20 minutes. Feel very happy that you've almost got 20 minutes of Nesta chatter. Um, the one thing that I want to contest is that she didn't ask for help from anyone. I think you had mentioned that she, she didn't ask anyone to help and solve her problems. No, she didn't deal with her problems at all. And that was the core problem that she had to deal with is that she wasn't dealing with her problems and that other people had to step in and say, listen, you're literally in a downward spiral. And I know, I know there are strong feelings over how that was handled, but no, it's not about that. Uh, Farah also wasn't dealing with her problems and needed Reese to be like, Hey, come on, we got it. We got to get past this waggy going. Exactly. Like- but no one should talk to Farah about it. No one should talk to And it's like, well, do you get the special treatment because you're Resan's girlfriend? Or yeah. do they like you more than Nesta? Which we know it's because they like her more than it's Nesta. Be- it's because Nesta's not very well liked, and that's because Nesta <laughs> treads this fine line, I think, between strong female character who makes morally great choices Yeah, doesn't fit the traditional mold of... She's um, brutally honest. So... I get it. And I mean, I disagree with everyone who hates Nesta. If you hate Me Nesta, too. you do you boo. I'm not going to, yep. you know, ran on your parade, but we just don't see eye to eye. I feel we did not read the same book and that's okay. Yeah, going- exactly. <laughs> yeah. Going off of that, where do you, speaking of the line between strong female leads, where do you think the line is between strong female character creation and enabling versus um enforcing gender norms i think that like a woman doesn't can doesn't have to be like feminine to still be like a strong female character but they don't have to be masculine either like i feel like i feel like boxing it because again it's like creating one-dimensional like stereotypical archetype characters when you say you can only be one or the other 
you can't be both or you have to like you know or, or the fact that like oh if you're masculine that's bad or saying if you're feminine that's bad like no like i think that there's not one single like box or box definition of like what in inherits or, like what is included in a strong female character i feel like a strong female character is someone who knows that she has agency knows who she is and embraces who she is as a, as a female and doesn't doesn't take shit from everybody else around her you know yeah i think that's fair what do you think becca you looked you looked pensive for a minute I was sitting there thinking about how there was more in a traditional sense, usually when you kind of embrace, you either had, like, feminine qualities, but you had the bitch personality, or you were the Brienne of Tarth, so, you know, well, you're tall, so you, you need to be strong, and I think more in recent times, we're getting away from, like, boxing women into those two categories, and oh, then definitely. I lost my train of thought after that. Well, I think that's something that is is really prevalent in indie publishing. I think it's something that we're seeing a lot of in the in the indie space. You shook your head no. No, we are. It's just my brain literally died. I, I, I was going somewhere. <laughs> uh, well, you keep thinking about it. I feel like it's it's I think a lot of it is because the indie market has expanded so much in that many more different types of voices are being represented when you look at independent booksellers and independent authors and what they're offering, as opposed to like, we've all, we've quoted Harlequin before, you know, the Harlequin model of a happy ever after romance, like that is the genre. And if it doesn't meet the beautiful woman, beautiful man have X, X, X problem and then get together and then an epilogue have a baby, then it doesn't fit what the publisher is looking for. And I think indie publishing has really helped kind of broaden our horizons in terms of our character expectations and what we like to see in characters and the types of stories we want to see characters represented in. Yeah. Cause I don't always want to see a character like at the end, like, Oh, they're perfectly fine after like, no, I want to see like realistic, like, you know, they dealt with their trauma, but they're still, it's, it's still acknowledged that it's something that they have to deal with every single day. It's not just a, I dealt with it once and poof, it's gone. You know, like I want to see, and, and that's why I like, I like that there's indie publishing out there because you get more representation in the sense of you're seeing realistic characters and realistic endings. And, and like, I love it when they say that they weren't like uh conventional beauty, but they were like, they, they were still beautiful in their own way because I feel like so often it's like, yeah, like, like X plus Y equals that. It's like, I don't always want to see the like really pretty, like super model attractive woman. Like I want to see a real woman in my represented in a story, not just what society deems as perfect. I have one that could be controversial, but I don't know if y'all would really have a stance on it unless you've read the books. And I don't know if y'all have because they're Hoover books. What books? Which one? It ends with us, and it begins with it. us. I literally just got rid of that book. I'm just like, I can't have this in my house anymore. Okay, but me. but I know, I know it. Would Lily have been presented better as a strong female if it begins with us had never been written? Because I feel like when at the end of it ends with us, she's got that strong female persona. She's like, we're gonna do this on our own. We don't need a man. And then you wrote the second book, and it's like, well, I can't really do this on my own. I need Atlas to save me. And I haven't read the second book and I refuse to because I was super angry about the epilogue. I thought, okay, I was the, it ends with us. Was it a great book? Absolutely not. Should it have been marketed as a romance? Absolutely not. No. But the character progression that she goes on. And I use, I say that loosely with quotations. Um, is it representative of a strong female lead in development, making choices? Absolutely. So when the end of the book gets to it and you understand that the title is not about it ends with us in that the relationship, but it's the breaking of generational cycles. Mm -hmm. I was like, Oh, okay. Like maybe it's I didn't love this, but I can get, but I can get behind the concept. And then you get to the episode epilogue and I'm like, Oh, there she did it. Nope. 
Uh, absolutely not. I know exactly where this is going. Fan service alert. No, thank you. So yeah. I I agree with you on that part. I agree that if it ends with us had been a standalone and did not include the epilogue, that Lily yeah. may have been on the verge of becoming a strong female character or may have become yeah. a strong female character by the end of the book. Yeah, I uh, it was. Yeah, it definitely should have been marketed as like a, a fiction rather than a romance because it yeah no it i honestly like i don't like thinking about that book because it just ugh, i have so many qualms with that author that we're not gonna go there um so yeah i agree maybe we should do a whole episode on coho <laughs> yeah, yeah we want to oh goodness all right so to wrap up let's give a couple of book recs with strong female leads that we enjoy and why we think that that female lead deserves to be called a strong female lead character. And because it's Mia's episode, you can go first, Mia. Okay. Um, so I have a few and I won't mention the other one that I was, that I could only talk about for a certain amount of time. I won't say Nesta because we all know I love her. Um, some other characters that I like book wrecks. Um, so if you are a audible lover, um, I highly recommend it, even if you're just looking for like a shorter, sweet romance that's like realistic. Um, it's called Sweet Talk by Cara Bastone. Um, the main character's name, I don't want to give it away because it will ruin the ending, but she goes by JD in the story. Um, that's like, that doesn't give anything away. And she's this like tough biker chick who's like, she knows who she is. She knows like, but like she talks about the progression she went through in life to figure out who she was. And it's just like, I love how confident she is as a, as a character that like she ends up liking this guy who is typically not her typical type. And I'm just like, I'm, I'm there for it. I love it. I think you guys would like it. Um, it's like it's it's this very like sweet short romance, but it's great. Um, I mentioned this character before, Violet, and also her her sister Rose from the Supernatural single series. Um, the two of them have their own journeys, like, and it's very interesting, especially the connection with these two because it goes from Rose is you know originally going to be the prima prima witch prima parent witch, and then because violet discovers her magic she ends up not so she's discovering who she is in that book um and it's just she's very feisty and very just like but she she embraces her femininity um we just read i think i don't know becca did you just read that book with us which one that not your ex's hex it's so good um yeah but I don't really like it. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, I think that Rose is like, it's just her journey of finding herself and discovering who she is. And I loved it because it just, it was beautiful. Um, a couple more. Um, well, I mentioned Hannah. Uh, Laura, Laura from the Bridge Kingdom. Um, Danielle Jensen is a Canadian author and Laura is basically raised her sole purpose of being raised is she's trained to kill the, like, the her nemesis. Like, there's a country that they, I guess, owns the bridge that connects all the trade. And she is basically being raised to end up, like, killing him. It's great. It's really good. It's like an enemies to lovers, like, very angsty, but she's, like, very sure of who she is. But at the same time, having to deal with, like, the fact that she was, like, taken from her mother at age five and brought up to be a killer. Like, it's 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 really good. I highly recommend it. Um, but, yeah, those are a few of my uh, strong female characters that I would recommend book series nice. to read. Nice. I'm going to recommend Bathia because I really like Bathia. I just finished it and went a whirlwind, whirlwind. Oh my God, I can't speak. Whirlwind uh, book reading, like frenzy. And it was super fun. And that's by Ruby Dixon. It just came out and it's on Kindle Unlimited. Bathia is get her hands dirty. 
is you know funny is joking but she's also like she constantly gets into trouble she's constantly kidnapping and stealing jamef's ship right out from underneath him and then like dropping him off at space stations and making him chase after her and so i don't know i found her really interesting as a main character I really think that the X Hex and the Kiss Curse by Aaron Sterling have some great rep for strong female leads, specifically in Gwyn, because Gwyn, as a side character in their first book, she's very um, like, don't let him treat you that way. What is wrong with you? Why are you why are you doing this, Vivi? And then in her own book, she's like, why am I doing this? Okay, Gwen, we need to get back on track here. Just because there's a hot Welsh man across the street from us does not mean that I need to start tripping all over myself. <sighs> Figure it out. Um, so I thought that one was great. I liked Tools of Engagement. I liked Bethany Castle. Um, even though, you know, I hate the, the Tessa Bailey baby phenomenon, I really enjoyed that one of the Hot and Hammered series because Bethany is very, uh, she's a perfectionist. And so everything about her life has to be perfect. And so she's very particular about her life and she's very successful and she's very opinionated and very strong. And she's considered like one of the stronger members of her friend group. And what I like is that you get to see more of her humanity in that book. And it's a romance. It's a light, fluffy romance. So it's super fun. Um, City of the Lost. That's a seven book series. The City of Rockton by Kelly Armstrong. Main character's name is Casey Duncan. And what I love about her is that um, she it's uh, Asian American uh, rep or Asian Canadian rep. And Casey is one of those characters like she's a cop. She's specifically a detective. And when she gets dropped into this city that is essentially um, a camp full of criminals hidden in northern Canada in the wilderness as part of a um, kind of get out of jail free card for people that can afford to pay for it. She has to make some really morally great choices, but she also has to like stand up for herself because she's only there because of her skill set not because she paid to be there not because like they accept they only accepted her because she's a detective and they need a detective because people are dying there are murders happening and i thought it was really great casey seems like a really interesting character and she's really strong i love the whole series and then as i mentioned before dancing on broken glass by k hancock i love that one so much i love lucy and mickey's story like i sob every time i read it it's beautiful becca I have Maria out of shipwreck by Olivia Dade. That's what I got. <laughs> okay. But why Maria? I mean, I know why Maria, but our readers don't, or our readers, our listeners don't. She was because right from the beginning, you know, she is an actress and she's kind of within this industry that has very set parameters about what it is that a woman's supposed to be or not be. And she's very upfront at the beginning of it all with this is who I am uh you can like it or you don't have to like you need me I don't need you so yeah that's why she stood out to me compared to the other Dave's got a lot pretty much had strong female leads in all of her books but Marie is the one that sticks out the most to me I think she was the most up forward like up front um about that because the other women have they they have a little bit more self doubt that kind of keep them a little quieter. Whereas I just didn't get that from Maria. She was just very front. Oh yeah, all. oh yeah. April and um, Ren. Olivia no, Day was just Ren. in general. Yeah, Ren. Is... April and Ren. Yeah, he calls her Ren. Lauren. Lauren. Yeah, her name's Lauren. He calls her Ren. <laughs> That's her nickname. Yeah. Both. You're right. Both April and Ren have self doubts that become apparent later on. Yeah, and I, you're right. Maria is very much like, "Oh, you don't like that I'm fat? Sorry, like, cool. no problem. I'll find somewhere else to work." And I kind of like, I lived yeah. for that. Yeah. Oh, it's such a good book. Oh my god, I love that. That's All weird right. hearing hearing that name, <laughs> Maria. <laughs> yes. Um, for those of you who don't know, Mia is a nickname I go by. My legal name is Maria. So listening to them talk about this, I'm just like. You're not talking about me. Okay. 
<laughs> anyway. <laughs> so, any final thoughts on strong female characters before we wrap? I think that it is very possible for there to be a strong female character and be both masculine and feminine or feminine or masculine. I mean, I think that... Or non-gender conforming. Exactly. You know, like, we got to stop boxing in characters and just... There needs to be... I feel like we need to see more representation of strong female characters because they are the best. I agree. Yeah. I think that we need to spend a lot more time developing our characters uh, yeah. because that a well-developed character in and of itself will inherently be stronger on the page. Exactly. That's my opinion. Couldn't agree more. All right. Well, it's been fun. It's been really fun. <laughs> Do you feel better now that you've got to like love on Nesta for like a whole Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes my heart is happy yes <laughs> all right well i guess then we'll just call this a day and i'll see you guys next week we'll see you then bye want more from the bookish bitches follow us on tiktok at drinking ink pod official for updates regarding our newest episodes releases and behind the scenes chaos or send us an email at drinking at gmail.com you can find us on all streaming platforms like Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. You can also follow our hosts on their personal accounts located in the show notes, along with recommended reading lists and all the books we mentioned in today's episode. Stay thirsty, friends. Stay thirsty, friends.